separate, to keep apart or divide as by an intervening barrier or space, to sort, put, divide, or disperse as into individual units, components, or elements. Hey folks, welcome to episode 20 of uh, Another Way. I think it's twenty. It's twenty six or twenty seven. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm here. It is technically Wednesday because I was running around like crazy today, um, but I haven't slept, so I'm still counting it as Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm gonna get this posted as soon as I can after I finish recording it, because um, I'm trying my darndest to be consistent. Dang it. In fact, that's one of the episodes I'm working on for the next couple weeks is consistency. But uh, yeah, it's very exciting. If you are in the LA area, I've uh, set up a meetup uh, via meetup.com about another way. And I'm doing the first workshop this Sunday in Echo Park. So if you want to do that and you're listening to me in the LA area, you could... Uh, Go to meetup.com and search for another way and find me and all that stuff. And um, I'm sharing this episode with that group. So hopefully some of you are listening to this for the first time and you found me through that group. And so if you if that's the case, welcome. And I'm excited to have you with us. I'm afraid, uh, though, that you should probably listen to at least the episode before this one. Because <laughs> I'm going to be... The plan was to make some references to stuff in that. I don't know if it's actually going to happen. <laughs> so last last episode, we talked about comparing and how comparison can both help and hinder you in uh, your work, your creativity, your life, your art, your blah, blah, blah. You're whatever you want to think of it as. Today, we're talking about separation and keeping things separate. And I'm going to start off with a little story that some people won't like me telling. Some people from my past. So, um, when I was in college, the music department imploded one of the years I was there. And there was a whole lot of drama and it, it was just, it was not a good time. And there were nine full-time faculty. And uh, at the end of that year, once, every, once all the dust sort of settled, five of them left. So we lost over half the faculty. And uh, <laughs> at that time, it was my, vi the three of the people who left were my violin teacher, my voice teacher, and my, um, my like education, music education mentor person. And so it was, it was very rough and it was a little, it was very tense. It was a very tense year. And, uh, you know these sort these sort of things happen sometimes in academia, because you get people. I suppose it happens not just in academia, but anytime you get people working together who have maybe some ego issues, maybe some, um, you know, and if there's talent there that can back up the ego, that can be even worse. And and in this case, there there was. But the biggest problem you know, tracing things back through all the rumors and, you know, all the sources that I had, because I was very well connected. Um, it turned out that there were some 
professional issues that were amplified by personal issues. So that's what we're talking about right now. How do we separate out the professional from the personal? It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It really isn't. But it's necessary if we're really going to make a go of, of well, any, any real work where we need feedback. So especially in creative ventures. It's, it's crucial in dealing with all sorts of things. You know, I, I firmly believe that if some of those professors had been better at separating out the personal from the professional, it wouldn't have been as bad as it was. And I, you know, I can, I can name other examples where that sort of thing happens, but that's just, you know, that's one that happens in my life. Happened in my life. Um, so I'm sure that you can think of similar things. And I can think of instances myself where it was very difficult to separate out the myself from my work. And especially when we're doing creative things, it can be very difficult because it is so personal. You know, I'm, I'm sure I've told some version of this story before, but it's easy because, because I'm a string player and I'm a vocalist. I tread in, these, in both of these worlds, and there are stereotypes for a reason. And if you talk to most professional instrumentalists, they will tell you that there are stereotypes about vocalists being very, um, very needy, very whiny, very, um, very dramatic. But I get why those stereotypes are, are a thing, because there is a basis in reality. But it makes sense when you think about the fact that the vocalist is the instrument. You know, if something, if I'm having a bad day with my string stuff, I can blame my instrument, even if it's not the instrument's fault. You know, I can make up, oh, well, these strings are just really old, or, you know, I just, the, I, my bow, it needs rehaired. Or, you know, just the weather is just, I can't keep it in tune because the humidity. You, know, you can come up with excuses when you have an instrument. But when you're a vocalist, you literally are the instrument. So it's it's a lot, there's, you can't come up with those excuses as easily, as believably. So it beca And because of that, it becomes very difficult to separate those things out. You know, if I tell my string kids, you're flat, you need to move your finger here. Very rarely does that create any sort of personal issue. Whereas it's not uncommon for a vocalist to hear, I'm flat, and equate it to, I'm a terrible singer because I'm flat. And it's not true. You're just flat. You just need to fix it. So I get that. And it's a very tricky thing that most vocalists have to learn at some point, is how to separate out the criticism from... Criticism of their voice from the criticism of themselves. I mean, all creative people have to do that. That's just the example we're going with at the moment. But doing that sort of a separation allows us, if we, if we separate ourselves, our identity from the work, we can approach everything in a much healthier way. You know, it allows us to be more effective when it comes time to do our own self-editing you know especially as a writer you have to you have to pick apart your own stuff a lot of the time and it becomes a lot easier to do that if you're not if your sense of identity is not in that work and the, it, i mean it's the same with music if if, we, if you're trying to figure out a mistake that you're making if you're trying to figure out why a passage is difficult if it becomes a lot easier if you're if you separate yourself from the music. 
if, uh, you know, well, I've, I'm working on a Bach piece right now. I'm trying to make my way through the cello suites on viola. And there was a passage the other day that I was having a difficult time with. And I found myself slipping into, I just suck. I can't play this. Why can't I play this? I should be better than this sort of talk and just got in that one of those loops. And then I, I had to like jerk myself out of it and go, this is just a hard measure with some weird fingering things. Hang on. The problems of cat parenting and podcasting at the same time. Um, but getting in, in one of those spirals of I'm just, I'm a terrible violist isn't productive. You know, it didn't help me play the passage any better. What helped was calming myself down and looking at it and going, oh, if I just do this right here, that will make it a lot easier. And it did. But because I was stuck in that sort of loop, I couldn't see that solution until I calmed down. So we have to be able to do that for ourselves. It also allows us to, so it allows us to self-critique a lot better, but it also allows us to deal with external criticism in a, in a much better way. You know, because half the time, if you receive harsh criticism, like that, or that's sort of an attack situation, that's not really about you. Oftentimes that's about the critic's own issues. And sometimes you'll get critiques that, harsh critiques that are deserved and that you kind of need to hear. But if you've got yourself tied up in that, it can destroy you. Whereas if you've if you're able to separate yourself from the work, yes, it might be difficult to hear and it might piss you off, but it's not going to hurt you in the same way. I hope that all makes sense. This podcast is brought to you by Great Grand Projects, a creative collective of creators on the web at greatgrandprojects.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Horizon Creative Studios. Just a single studio. Home of Another Way, where you can find past episodes of the podcast and video series and the blog, as well as information on KJ Bell's musical offerings. On the web at horizoncreativestudio.com. I don't know where that voice came from. It just kind of happened. Um, and it kind of evolved. It started out as me and then ended up as this weird British announcer. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so separating ourselves from our work allows us to critique and edit ourselves and allows us to deal with other people's critiques. It also allows us to deal with other people in more effective ways. Because if we can separate ourselves from the work, we should be able to separate other people from their work as well. So if we can recognize that somebody does good work, this can help in certain situations. Like, we've all had to do a project with somebody that we haven't gotten along with very well. But if we can recognize, if we can separate the I don't like you as a person, if we can separate that from the work that they do, that can help us to actually accomplish something with that person. Because 
there are countless people in the world who are just jerks but who do very good work in their in their area and sometimes there there there's sort of a balancing act with that and i always talk about how i would much rather work with a pleasant human being who's a little bit less talented than somebody who's very very talented and a jerk and that's true but sometimes you are just forced to work with a jerk who is very very talented and if you can separate that it can help you deal with that situation. If you can recognize the good work that somebody does, it can help you to make your way through that situation. And it's it's really about that, you know, we've talked about subjective and objective truth. It's really about separating out your subjective truth from their subjective truth. And you don't have to like the person, but if you can separate their work from them, you can appreciate them a little bit differently. I knew a guy in college who was a fantastic piano player and was very difficult to deal with. But you can recognize that he's a fantastic pianist and recognize that he works very well for this situation that you need him for. And maybe that outweighs the difficult personality. It doesn't always, but it can help when you're forced into that sort of situation. The more difficult side of that is dealing with somebody that you like who whose work might not be up to snuff you know and that's that's a that's ugh, there's all sorts of other things to deal with in that sort of situation but when it comes to the point of you having to work with that situation maybe you have a conversation about the separation of the work and the self maybe you hope that they understand that too i remember a situation once where I was working with a, with a person on a, we were writing, it wasn't a grant, but it was a proposal. We were trying to get money to go to a conference, a few of us. And she had written this document. And before I knew, she was, she had me read it and say, just take a look at this and see if there's anything I need to tweak. And before I realized what I was doing, I'd gone into full writer mode and was editing and crossing and, and basically redid the entire thing and it was one of those situations where it wasn't bad i just made it better and i look over and i saw the look on her face and i immediately felt bad i didn't feel too bad because it did make it better but i felt bad because i i didn't think to say something like here's what we can do and i really like that you did this and blah 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 so that's a that's a tricky situation to deal with sometimes. That's where you have to be that's where you have to communicate really well. And again, you have to separate you sometimes you have to separate a friendship from a work situation. And it's tricky. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but it's a necessary thing to do. I have to do it sometimes when when I'm teaching too because especially with students that I have for a long time, you develop um I don't want to say a friendship with the student but I'm, I'm thinking about one student I have right now, and I'm very good friends with her mother. And because I've been teaching her longer than any other student I've had, it's there's a different relationship there. And so sometimes you have to... It, it, it's a tricky thing to navigate sometimes. And I've known this about myself for a while, ever since I started teaching swimming lessons in high school, is that if, you ha if you're a teacher like me who enjoys 
goofing around a little bit, but still likes to get stuff done. There comes a point where you have to kind of crack down and be like, no, that's not actually what we're doing here, sweetheart. We can have the fun, but we got to be productive too. And so I have to separate out and kind of when the clock hits and I'm in lesson mode, I have to have a different relationship with that student than I do off the clock. And that's a tricky thing to navigate sometimes for me and for her. Um, and this idea, this can seem crazy to some people, this idea of separating yourself and your work. I remember I had a professor in college who was married to a teacher and they were both, they both taught in very difficult situations. And he, he said that they, they made a rule where they did not talk about school once they passed this tree on the drive home. Because they realized that they couldn't do, um, like, get in the car and not talk about school because they needed to vent. So the tree was far enough along the drive where they could vent, but then there was that separation. And it's a very difficult thing for people to think about sometimes because we like to put things in boxes in our society. We like to separate things into boxes, but we don't like to have things in multiple boxes. You know, we talk so much about like work-life balance, but we don't really, that conversation doesn't come with work is over here and life is over here. There's this sort of idea of you put them in the mixing bowl and mix them together, not you can keep them separate and, and it be a healthy thing. We just don't, we don't like to have things in more than one box. So it's, it's a tricky thing for some people to comprehend. Hopefully, I'm explaining this in a way where if you are one of those people or you were one of those people, you're no longer one of those people. People. The other thing that separating the work from yourself allows you to do is it allows you to decompress at the end of the day. You know, I, I talk about Brene Brown fairly frequently. She's a uh, researcher into shame and vulnerability, and I, I love her books and her ideas and her TED Talks. But she said this great thing in an interview I heard once that was, um, we can't embrace the idea of rest or play if our self-worth is tied to what we produce. And I know that just a couple of episodes ago, I talked about producing and how you should on constantly be producing something, but you have to separate out that production from yourself. Otherwise, you don't get any rest. And rest is crucial to all the rest. Rest is crucial to the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm just now realizing I need to do an episode like on rest. I did an episode on rest type things. Silence. It's a silence episode. We need that sort of, we need those breaks. And we need to separate those aspects of our lives. We need to have the production. We need to have the self time. And we need to have the downtime. And balancing all those things is the trick to this. And if we're constantly worried about how other people view us, it will distract from the work. So if we're constantly thinking, oh, do they like the work? If they don't like the work, they don't like me. That sort of a thing. So we're bringing this back around to the separating the self from the work thing. If we're constantly tied up in that, what, what are people thinking about the work slash me, it takes something out of the work. 
Whereas if we just go for it and separate the, and think, they can think whatever they want about the work and it doesn't affect me. It's a much healthier way to live. And it's it's such a, it's one of those shifts that is both subtle and profound when we accomplish it quite, when we accomplish it properly. And here here's one way I, I, I think of this. Do you know those people who just wear whatever the hell they want, whether it's in style or not? Like, that's the sort of confidence we should aim for in this area. I'm not saying you should go to um, Whole Foods in sweatpants. In, in sweatpants are fine. In pajama pants. Like, I don't understand people who go out in public in pajama pants. Constantly. Like once or twice, maybe. But constantly? Like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but there are people who do and have no problem with it. And that's the sort of confidence that we need. That's the sort of separation we need. It's like, yeah, I can wear this. And it, does, it doesn't mean anything about me. It just means that I'm wearing this. You know, when I wrote this outline, that seemed like such a good idea. And now that I say it out loud, I don't think it works as well as I thought it did. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where the idea is good. I just don't think I expressed it well. Anyway, so if we, if we balance this separation of ourself with an, with an openness to hear another person's side, it can just, it, this can make us much better people. Because if we, the world is crazy right now. Can we all agree on that? Let's just all agree on that. And a lot of the reasoning behind this is because people cannot separate their personal from their professional. They can't separate their personal from their politics. And that... If we could do more of that, if everybody could do just a little bit more of that, I think we'd be fighting less. You know, I, I, ta I say all the time that there's just so, there's so much yelling. People, we just keep yelling at each other. And there's not enough listening. Because our egos are so tied up in everything that we're doing right now. Whereas if we, if we put that aside for a second and just listen to what is being said... The world could be a much better place. Now that I think about it, it's really sort of, in some ways, self-separation is the key to unity. I like that. I'm going to make a t-shirt with that, I think. But I think it's true, because if, if we can do that self-separation, I think we could compromise more. Hmm. Look at me solving the world's problems. <laughs> the problem is just doing it. And like everything else I talk about on this show, it is, it, it's a constant practice and it's not an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to talk about. It's an easy thing to say you're going to do, but it's a, it's a tricky thing to actually live. But start small, you know? 
Start with your art. Start by reading something that you wrote like you're somebody else, like somebody else wrote it. Start by looking at a painting you did as if somebody else did it. Start by listening to music you've composed as though it was written by somebody else. That can also help you find mistakes and ways to improve it. But separate yourself from what you do and you'll be a lot happier. So follow me on the social media at that KJ Bell, on the Twitter tweeting and the Instagram. And uh, yeah, go to Meetup if you're in the LA area and find me on there. Join the community that is building. Yeah. We'll have, a good, we'll have a good old time. So it's okay to be an artist. It is okay to create. It is okay to be exactly as you are right now. It is okay. I'm okay. And you are okay.